everyone, and welcome to the Run to the Top podcast. I'm your host, Coach Claire Bartholik, the Planted Runner. What we do on the show is bring on the best experts in athletes in the sport of running with the goal of helping you become a better runner each week. From January 27th through February 17th of 2021, we are going to be revisiting some of our most downloaded shows we've ever had here at the Run to the Top. Former hosts Sinead Hockey and Tina Muir are back, and we're bringing you their top-rated episodes of all time from way back in 2017. If you're a new listener to the show, it's a great way to catch up a little on what you've missed. Or if you're a longtime listener, it's a perfect way to look back. I'll be back with fresh episodes of The Run to the Top on February 24th. Enjoy the show and have a great run today. Hey everyone, Sinead here with you for this latest episode of Run to the Top brought to you by Runners Connect. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you're off to a great day so far and enjoy this podcast. This week, we're speaking with renowned running guru and ultramarathoner, Danny Dreyer, who back in 1999 developed the Chi running technique, a running style that uses the principles of Tai Chi to focus on alignment, relaxation, and proper form. Since then, Danny founded his company, Chi Running, through which he's helped thousands of runners beat injury and run more efficiently to reach new levels in their running. Components of the chi running style are widely practiced by running professionals and sports therapists today. And I think you'll probably recognize quite a few of those components, like for instance, the forward lean. I'm thrilled to have Danny on the show and can't wait to learn a little more about this method. So right after a quick message from our sponsors, we'll jump right into our interview. If you're listening to this episode, it's pretty likely that you're an athlete. Not only that, but I bet that you eat healthy with a focus on whole, unprocessed foods most of the time. While that is awesome, it also means that you need to pay more attention to your electrolytes. Athletes, healthy eaters, and heavy sweaters all require a lot more sodium than you might think, especially after workouts. And if you're all three, then you definitely need more than a typical sports drink. That's where Element, founded by biochemist Rob Wolf, comes in. It's loaded with everything you need to replenish your electrolyte balance with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, and doesn't include anything you don't need like extra sugar or anything artificial. Stay tuned for how you can get a free sample pack at lmnt.com. Hi, Danny. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Sinead. It's a pleasure having you on. So, Danny, first off, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and chi running? Yeah. Um, I Let's see. Chi running started when I had already been running for about 25 years. And um, I, was, I started getting into ultramarathon running. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, which is there's lots of trail running there and stuff. And so I started... Uh, ultramarathoning back in 1970, 1991. And, um, and very soon after that, I was building my mileage up to where I ran a couple of hundred milers and, you know, 50 milers and hundred Ks and stuff. And, uh, and so I started really working on my running technique. I, I knew that if I was going to be running those kind of distances that I needed to be really economical <laughs> with my movement. <laughs> 
and uh, I wasn't going to last long. Um, and so at, just at about the same time, I had a friend in Boulder that happened to be taking a Tai Chi class. And he says, I think you'd really like this. You know, the guy's great. He's right from China and I uh, he teaches, he's the real deal. So, and I, um, I am half Chinese. My father was Chinese. And so I've always been fascinated by, you know, the art and culture of China. So I went to this class and I'd already been studying running technique. And from the first day I took this class, I knew that it was really incredible stuff because it's all about uh, really having great posture, really working on your posture. It's working from your core, from your center, but relaxing everything outside of that which is really different than most runners run. And so when I was doing ultra marathon running, I started applying some of the stuff that I was learning in my Tai Chi class to my running. And all of a sudden uh, I would come back from runs and not even feel like I had gone for a run. So I said, you know what, there's something to this. <laughs> and so that's when I started really studying the Tai Chi part. And not long after that, I actually moved to San Francisco um, and I found uh, a Tai Chi grandmaster in Golden Gate Park. I uh, wrote about him in the book. And uh, I asked him if he would work with me to kind of develop this whole um, collaboration between Tai Chi and running. And uh, he really lit up. He says, you know, I've believed my whole life that uh, Tai Chi could help any sport because of the principles of movement contained in it. So, uh, so that's how Chi running started from my practice of Tai Chi and combining that with my practice of ultra distance running. That's and, amazing. Uh, and I had a very good, uh, good streak in my ultra marathon career. Uh, you know, I, I ran, I ended up running about, I think I ran 41 ultras. Oh my gosh. And, wow. <laughs> and uh, all but three of them, I finished in the, um, top three in my age group. Wow. Very interesting. The, yes. Uh, and that's, that's I mean, I didn't even start ultra running until I was 45 years old. So, oh you know, this was, it was really making a difference in my running. So that's when I started teaching. It was in 1999, uh, in the Bay area, I started teaching. So since then it's, the rest is kind of history. Now we have. 200 instructors, more than 200 all over the world. And the book is now in about 15 languages. So wow. it's grown, grown way beyond what I ever imagined. Oh my it. Gosh. And I had no clue. If you would wow. have told me, you know, back then, oh yeah, you're going to make a living running. I would have laughed in your <laughs> face. <laughs> That's amazing that you just, you kind of happened upon this just almost through chance. So Danny, can you tell us some of the principles of Tai Chi? What are they and how did you incorporate them into biomechanics, into running biomechanics? Well, um, uh, like I said earlier, it's all about posture. So in Tai Chi, you always want to have a really good posture. There's no slumping or bending at the waist or anything because you want to have your body really well supported. It's a martial art. So if somebody comes up to you and wants to push you over, you need to be really grounded <laughs> and really, you know, balanced on your feet. That's the biggest thing. And um, that's one of the big principles of Tai Chi. And then another principle of Tai Chi that makes a lot of sense when you really think about it is that Tai Chi is based on how the body is designed and how the human body is designed is all the big muscles uh, and larger and stronger muscles are all in the area of your core, of your center. 
Now in Tai Chi, they call your center your Dantian. And D-A-N-T-I-E-N, Dantian. And that's, they call it your power center. And it's your, it's the place from which you move. If you want to throw a punch, you move from your center and use your arm as kind of a conduit of the force coming out of your center. Well, if you look at how the body is designed, all the big muscles are in the middle. And as you get further and further away from the middle, from your core, the muscle sizes get smaller, right? And, you know, your quads are smaller, your calves are even smaller muscles, your feet have tiny little muscles, and uh, your toes have almost minuscule muscles, okay? So when you think about how people run, where do most of the running injuries happen in most runners? And if you look at, study the numbers uh, from the knees on down. (laughs) It's true. There's runner's knee, shin splints, calf pulls, Achilles tendon problems, metatarsal stress fractures, uh, plantar fasciitis, you know, you name it. (laughs) They're all below the knee. So what does that tell you? It means that people are using all those little teeny tiny, much smaller muscles (laughs) to run with instead of all the big strong muscles in the middle. Now, according to Tai Chi, you start with the big, strong muscles, and then all the muscles, as you go more distal, further away from your core, since the muscles get smaller, the responsibility, the contribution of those muscles also reduces as you get further away from the core. So you see where I'm getting with this is that the bulk of the work should happen in your core. Less of it should happen in your quads, even less of it should happen in your calves, and the least amount should happen in your toes. So how most people run is pushing themselves off with their toes, (laughs) you know, and that's why they break, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a crazy kind of setup. It makes no sense if you, when you really think about how the body's designed. So in Tai Chi, you move from your center. So that's where all the strength is. And, and with Chi running then, so I took all this stuff out of, out of Tai Chi. So with, with running, I watched all the ultra runners that passed me <laughs> at about 30 miles into a 50-mile race. These guys would go by me like they just stepped onto the course. <laughs> and so I started paying attention to these guys like, okay, what's he doing that I'm not? And without fail, every single one of them was, had this slight forward fall. And so I started trying that along with bringing in that relaxation of the moving parts that comes out of Tai Chi. And all of a sudden that it really rocked my boat. I mean, it completely changed. My speed went up. It was easier. There was less recovery time. My muscles never hurt afterwards. And so I, I combined this postural forward fall with, um, completely learning how to not use my legs for propulsion. And that's the biggest difference between uh, conventional running and chi running is that you, the better you get at chi running, the less you use your legs. Interesting. It really sounds like a, a domino effect. A weakness in your core can lead to a weakness down, down farther the chain. So that's, that's really oh. interesting. Yeah. Or if you overuse any of the places further down the chain, uh, your core doesn't get involved for one thing, but it also, those are tiny muscles doing a monster job. Okay. You think oh, about yeah. trying to, trying to push yourself down the road against the pull of gravity. Um, you know, if I weigh 145 pounds and I've got these little teeny tiny foot muscles and ankle muscles and 
calf muscles trying to push this big weight down the road, it's, it's gotta, uh, something's gotta break some point. Definitely. Yeah. So it sounds like, it kind of sounds like chi running is a proponent of midfoot strike. You're not a huge proponent of the forefoot strike because again, that's just placing too much pressure on those tiny muscles. So is that yeah. true? Is that, that chi well, running kind of is more about midfoot strike? It's more the support stance. So there's a, there's phases of your stride. There's the landing, and then there's what position you're in during the support stance while you're being supported by the earth, you know. And then there's the flight phase. So if you want to think about your running stride in three phases, there's the landing, the support phase, and the flight phase when you're actually leaving when you're off the ground. So when you land, it doesn't matter if you land on your forefoot or your midfoot. In fact, barefoot runners, if you watch them run, they always land on their forefoot. The difference between forefoot landing and forefoot running is forefoot running is really only for very short, fast distances, like sprinters, you know, and the milers now will stay on their forefeet the whole time. But for any distance longer than a mile, you have no business staying on your forefoot because then uh, you know, if you were to stand up right now and stand up on your forefeet, on the balls of your feet, you know, feel the muscles that work, mm-hmm. you know, your calves, your shins, your ankles, your toes, all of those below the knee muscles engage when you uh, get up on your toes. So the idea is it's fine to land on your forefoot, but you have to come down immediately onto your whole foot, midfoot. So you can either land midfoot or you can land forefoot and come down to a midfoot, but you just don't want to stay on your forefoot. Okay, very interesting. So I think that there is a very common misconception around running on your forefoot. I actually saw you had, in a 2012 study at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the chi running technique was found to produce less impact and higher efficiency when compared against all these other traditional running styles. So can you just elaborate on that? How did, what did the study entail and were minimalist shoes involved and traditional shoes? Did those come into play at all during the study? They did. In fact, uh, minimalist shoes were used in the study and it was a blind study, by the way. Um, There were chi runners, uh, trained chi runners in the study and there were just people off the street so to speak. Oh, wow. Okay. In the study. And, um, they just studied everybody. They didn't, uh, make a differentiation between who was a chi runner and who wasn't. And then at some point in the study, they pulled me in and they showed me videos. And when they videoed these runners, they only videoed them from the waist down. So I couldn't recognize anybody if I had known them as mm-hmm. a chi runner. And they asked me if I could pick out the chi runners in this study. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I got like 19 out of 20. Oh my gosh. Cause I, that's how different chi running is. Okay. So what happens is they had, um, minimalist shoes, they had regular cushioned shoes and they had high heeled shoes, what I call high heeled shoes, you know, <laughs> the ones with the thick soles and higher heels, mm-hmm. big, big, uh, heel to toe ramp. Your Hoka's and Newton's maybe. (laughs) Hoka's and Newton's and Brooks beasts. And you know, all those shoes with a big ramp. And what they found was that, um, chi running the, the chi runners landed because they land on their midfoot. It actually, um, spreads out the time, uh, of impact. It slows down the impact as you approach the ground. Because really? you're, yeah, because if you land either forefoot or midfoot, 
then it kind of eases you into the ground. If you land on your heel, there is, there is no shock absorption and landing on your heel. So there's a huge spike in the, the concussive force of when you hit the ground with your heel. Now, um, so all of the shoes, all the people that wore really thick-soled shoes and, and high-heeled shoes um, had a much higher impact with the ground so that when you don't land on your heels, there's less impact because uh, two reasons. Um, most of the people who have a, uh, a heel impact, a heel striker, usually land with their heels out in front of their body. Their feet land in front of their body. So if you think about it, if your foot lands in front of your body and the road is an oncoming force, right, coming at you, mm -hmm. uh, then you're sticking your foot out into that oncoming force. <laughs> right? It's like a complete break. It's a break. Yeah, it's breaking. And not only that, most people who run that way also run very upright. <laughs> they run bolt upright. You can, I watch films of the Boston Marathon. Here's all these Kenyan runners have a great lean. There's a great forward fall. You know, they stay ahead of their feet. All the white guys chasing them down <laughs> are dead upright, reaching with their legs, you know, and, um, and who wins? <laughs> you know? So if you lead with your legs, if you reach with your legs, you're going to put the brakes on. Plus, if you reach with your legs, you're pushing off with your rear foot in order to do that, right? So you're pushing with one leg and stopping with the other. How efficient is that? <laughs> <laughs> and so, also, so if, you're, if you're landing with your foot in front of you, there's more impact. But also when you take off, there's more effort Interesting. for propulsion put into your legs. Now, you take a chi runner and... Um, I, uh, our big thing is to have a nice forward lean, a nice forward fall so that when your foot hits, it doesn't land in front of your body. It comes down more underneath your center of mass, you know, so you run with your feet landing closer to your body, not reaching out in front of you. What happens then is as the road comes toward you, it actually sweeps your leg rearward and there's no impact. There's much less impact. Wow. So it's just not, smoother overall. Foot isn't, yeah, it's much smoother. So you're not reaching out in front of yourself, putting the brakes on. You're actually dropping your foot down underneath you. And when the road comes by, it just sweeps your leg rearward, which it should. Interesting. So Danny, during the study, were there chi runners that were wearing these cushioned shoes? And did the chi running technique override the fact that they were wearing these shoes? Yes. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't matter what shoes you wear, you still have less impact. In fact, they've even done studies of Kenyan runners uh, the difference between running in the minimal racing flats that they do and giving them high heel shoes. And they said there was uh, there was a very insignificant change because the running form is what's important, not the shoes. Wow. Interesting. And so the shoes sometimes will dictate your running form. And that's what all the shoe companies would like you to believe. You know, obviously, you know, when Nike's trying to build a shoe that allows a runner to break a two hour marathon. Right. Okay, so that happened just a couple weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. They had three guys that were trying to break the two-hour marathon, and they were wearing Nike shoes. And the one guy came within 26 seconds. Yeah. Yep, right? very close. <laughs> okay. So then two days ago, I read on uh, Facebook, I see, okay, Nike is going to release these shoes that the guys were running so fast in, and they're going to be, guess what? $200 a pair. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole thing is a marketing ploy. You know, I would like to see that same Kenyan run without the Nikes on any shoe of his choice, and he probably would not be able to run that fast. 
but it's kind of like, you know, Barry Bonds, you know, hitting a home run record with a steel core bat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's cheating. Yeah. Just a slight advantage. <laughs> it's a slight advantage. I, I call it a performance enhancement shoe. <laughs> You know? I think a lot so, of people would would probably agree with you there. I would agree. And I, I can't see that if they break the two hour marathon, that it should be official. I mean, I'd be, it does. It's you, you can't be any slouch on any level to <laughs> uh, break a two hour marathon record. It's the guy was, a, did a fabulous job, but I would say, you know, he, I, I'd rather have him do it in regular shoes. I'd give him more credit. Definitely. I think he also, he did it on a track too, didn't he? Like a, a car track. He did it on a car track and get this. If you notice the films, you know, <laughs> they always have the, the press truck, right? Yeah. Yeah. The press, press truck is like a 15 foot wall right in front of this oh guy my God. and they're driving at his speed. So what does that do? That takes wind resistance completely away. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Truck. And so, you know, Nike is like, Pulling all the stops, you know, they, <laughs> they they want to sell shoes. They they could probably, you know, once this guy breaks two hours, his name will be history. You know, it's it'll true. be the Nike shoe. Here's the <laughs> shoe. You want to be fast? Get this shoe. Anyway, I'd rather go on with the interview than talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could talk was, about that for hours. Oh yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's just... a whole marketing scam. <laughs> you know, I hope people see it for that. <laughs> So, Danny, we actually we had I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Irene Davis. She's a big yes. minimalist shoe expert. And so Absolutely. she a lot of your thoughts coincide. She said that these cushiony shoes tend to they do tend to cause this heel striking effect. And so yeah. it's it's interesting that chi running actually does override that. Even for chi runners that are running in these cushioned shoes, they are still running on their their midfoot. So it's pretty yeah, interesting. I don't suggest them. I don't suggest people do that. All I know is that, yeah, it does override it somewhat. Hoka's are another whole ball game. Now, the regular cushioned running shoes that have, you know, like a 25 millimeter drop, mm-hmm. um, those are overridden by um, the chi running technique. If you get into a pair of Hoka's, the super cushioned, really thick shoes, that's a very different ball game. Just so you know, um, if you can imagine whenever I've run on a shoe like a Hoka, the super cushioned ones, my legs get really, really tired. Yeah, I've and heard that that it takes a, I, a process of uh, adaptation there to get used to those so, shoes. So that means you're working harder. So two things happen with those really thick shoes like that. One is they're so cushioned that your ankles have to tense up to stabilize themselves. So you're using more muscle to stabilize your stride. Um, and because it's like walking across a really soft surface. All right. And, and then the other thing is, is that they have no energy return. You know, for instance, if you, if you take a marble and drop it on a concrete floor, it'll bounce. Mm -hmm. If you take a marble and drop it on a rug carpet, (laughs) it doesn't bounce at all. It just thuds right into the carpet. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So it totally sucks the energy out of your stride. So if you get any kind of lift or bounce or energy return when you come down to the ground, all of that energy return happens through your ligaments and tendons and myofascial tissue. That's where you get that spring in your legs. But, you know, if you're jumping around on a mattress for two hours, your legs are going to get wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, they don't help. 
Interesting. Okay. So I guess regardless of the shoe, the chi running effect or the chi running technique really helps to ensure that you aren't coming down on your heel. So can you tell us just a little bit about the chi running technique? What does it involve and how do you instruct people to alter their their biomechanics to achieve the, that technique? Yeah, um, I'm happy to. So there's basically, you know, three or four steps to it. But it's kind of like yoga. I could tell you how somebody should do a downward dog and somebody could spend 30 years trying to figure <laughs> out how to do it right, you know. So I'll give you the steps. And um, so the first is getting your posture uh, nice and tall. And how I tell people is just, you know, lift at the crown of your head. It's the easiest way to do it. Just lift up at the crown of your head. Like, like in yoga class, they say, you know, pretend you got a piece of string tied to mm-hmm. the crown of your head. Lift up really tall there. And... Um, as you lift up really tall there, you will notice a couple things happen. One of the things that happens is that you'll feel your core engage. If you stand up right now and really lift through the crown of your head, make yourself taller, you will feel all the muscles in your lower abs engage. That's all you need. So when you talk about needing core strength, it doesn't mean that you go out and do a bunch of crunches and (laughs) rows and all kinds of stuff. You just have to get your posture tall. That will engage your core. So once your posture is nice and straight, then I have people fall into a nice, easy forward fall. And the easiest way to do that is uh, since it comes from Tai Chi, remember I mentioned the Dantian, your center. It's just below your belly button, about three fingers below your belly button and about three inches in. It's like right in the center of your body. If you can imagine what the center of mass of your body would be, it's about there. It's just a location, just a location. So I have people put their mind on that location, just focus there. And then all you do is move yourself around by moving that location, that part of your body. So what I tell people to do is get your posture tall, then move that part of your body just ahead of where you feel your feet hitting. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. That totally creates the forward lean. And then all you have to do, the last part that's easy, is you just have to pick up your feet to keep up with your fall. (laughs) You're not pushing your legs to get yourself to go forward. You're falling forward. Gravity is doing all the work. So you just have to pick up your feet to keep up with your fall. Interesting. So picking up your feet... Uh, for however long you want to do it, if you want to do a marathon, how you know you want to pick up your feet for and fall forward for four hours or three hours or five hours, however long you want to do that, you train yourself for that. But you don't train yourself to push yourself around with your legs for three or four or five hours. That's a lot of work. You know, strengthening your core by just making your posture nice and tall is way less work. Plus, when you're in Tai Chi, I mean, in Chi running, the other part is once you start moving forward and you're holding this, your center, just what it feels like is ahead of where your feet are hitting, then your next job is to relax your legs as much as you possibly can. Like, don't use the muscles. The only time you use your leg muscles is for that momentary support between strides. That's when you come back to your posture stance on one leg, right? So it's only for support. That's all your legs are for. So you are completely falling forward, picking up your feet to keep up with your fall. So if you, I mean, if you were to stand up at your desk right now and run in place, you know, um, it would, you wouldn't last very long. You know, yeah. your 
your shins would hurt, your calves would hurt, everything would go wiped out pretty quick. If I had you stand up from your desk and just pick up your feet, now that's a whole other thing. That's much easier to do. <laughs> Definitely. It really sounds like it's just completely reducing the cost of energy required to run. Yeah. When, when you're doing chi running, when I go out for a run, I don't drink as much water as the people I run with. I hardly ever fuel and there's no recovery time because what have I done? I mean, gravity is pulling me. Uh, where's the work? <laughs> you know? The road is coming by and sweeping my legs rearward, <laughs> you know, out from under me. And uh, I haven't really done that much work. And so even when I run a marathon or half marathons, we've had so many people write us letters and go, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe I actually just ran a half because I really don't feel like I did that. That's you amazing. Know? So it sounds like I've actually read where chi running, you don't bend your knees as much as you do in traditional running. So does this have any effect on cadence and stride rate or is it, is it, does it benefit it or does it maybe take oh. away from it? There's a difference. It's, it's in terminology. You do bend your knees, definitely, okay. but you never lift your knees. Oh, okay. There's where the work happens. You know, if you're stand in place and run in place by lifting your knees, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to lifting your ankles, there's a whole lot of different work going on there. So I definitely coach people to bend their knees. That's how you get, um, you know, as your knees bend, as you pass over your support stride, then it turns into a very circular stride it looks very circular like your feet are going around in a wheel motion you know like you're pedaling a crank set to a bicycle wow okay i can i'm visualizing it does make sense so how long does it usually take when you're instructing somebody to to alter their training or alter their technique to reflect this this chi running technique how long does it take for them to accomplish it does it take a few weeks to to really get the motion down it depends how connected people are in their body you know, I've had people get it in 30 minutes. I've had people take three months. Wow. So somewhere in that range. <laughs> you know? And it, like I said, it depends how much you practice and it depends how connected you are with your body. But it's definitely um, people notice the difference right away in the ease of motion. So it's all about economy of motion. So you're not using as much motion. But as you said before, it's also about reducing your impact. So not only you're getting faster, easier, but you're not creating any impact, which can wear out your muscles, joints, you know, break bones, things like that. Definitely. And so, Danny, how does this how does this help injured athletes and how does it also help prevent injury? I know you have you've had a lot of clients that you've helped get through injury through this technique. So how is this how has this helped them do that? Um, it, so there's two types of injury. OK, um, impact and overuse. Okay. An impact injury usually goes to the joints, right? Because if you're hitting hard, it's got to impact your, where the bones connect. Okay. So impact injuries hit your joints. That's how you get broken bones, metatarsal stress fractures, you know, runner's knee, all of that stuff. And then there's overuse injuries, which means, like I explained before, that you're using, they're overusing some muscle. And usually it's in your lower legs. So if you're pushing off with your toes, you're using little tiny muscles to push your body forward. And so that's an overuse injury. When you get a plantar fasciitis or a calf pull, Achilles tendon pull, all of those are overuse. And so what she running does is it reduces the impact because you're no longer overstriding, 
and hitting out in front of yourself. So it reduces the impact. It also keeps you from bouncing so much because when you're a bouncy runner, that's also increasing your impact. And then it, re it, it reduces the overuse because all of a sudden you're relying more on the, po the fact that you're falling forward and gravity is helping that. Uh, and so you actually are reducing the, the work of your um, muscles. And the, uh, if you're using your core to actually keep your posture tall and hold you in a forward lean, uh, and you're only just picking up your feet off the ground, not pushing off, that significantly reduces the amount of propulsion done by your legs, the amount of uh, overuse that you could ever incur. And so um, we've just designed the whole technique to, you know, reduce effort and uh, reduce injuries because it's more economical and because you're smoother along the ground. So I, I, I love that phrase, run yourself into the ground. <laughs> How a lot of people run is they run into the ground instead of across the ground. Oh, so that's a good way I to put that. Started, yeah, I get people into this really zen thing. Of like, you know, <laughs> feel like you're floating across the ground, like you really don't even want to touch the ground. So I tell people, you know, you got to run like you're trying to sneak up on somebody. <laughs> That's how you run softly, because if you're clunking along, landing on your heels, slapping the ground with your feet, you're hardly going to be able to sneak up on somebody. It's true. Almost treat the ground like hot lava, it, it sounds like. Exactly. Like hot lava, like you're one of these firewalker crazy guys, <laughs> you know? And um, so our thin ice, you know, mm, yeah. or, you know, whatever image you want that really keeps you light on your feet. And, um, and in fact, you know, I've run on a beach right next to somebody who weighed exactly the same as me and I leave less footprints. So wow. go figure that, you know, people go, no, no, man, no way. It's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm not coming down onto my feet. I'm running across the ground. That's so a good come, way to put that. So yeah, you come down on your feet, your, your, uh, body when you're running can, uh, your legs have to carry up to four times, four or five times your weight. But if you're running across the ground, you, you can reduce it down to just your weight. And then your legs are used to that. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, you should try it sometime. <laughs> I know. I kind of, I'm interested in trying that. I have a, another run today, so I might just do that. So okay. Danny, do you, how would you advise, this sounds like it would take a conscious effort to really adjust somebody's form, especially if they're an experienced runner and they've been at it for a while. Their running form is pretty well ingrained. Yeah. How would you advise, should people try and make a conscious effort of adjusting their form on easy days alone? Should they try and do it in workout days? How would, when and how would you advise them do that? Well, how I advise them to do it, okay, so the chi running technique is broken down into focuses, what we call them focuses. So a focus could be anything from holding your arms at the right angle to uh, leaning forward to landing midfoot, or that's one focus. Each one of those is a focus. So what I have people do is only do one change and they're running at a time. Oh, okay. You don't need to change at all in this first day. <laughs> <laughs> if all you do is uh, keep yourself from overstriding, you're headed in the right direction. If you can pick your feet up off the ground so you don't have a pendular stride, you know, where your legs are swinging pretty low to the ground and your knees aren't bending, that's another focus. And you could 
you know, already improve your running. So you just add in a few things at a time. And the more you add on, the more your running form changes and the more you lose old habits of movement. So, um, I don't really try to get anybody to change overnight by any stretch and, or to make large changes quickly. I, I just, the best way to learn anything is in little tiny bites. Definitely. You know? I think that's true for most anything, anything, you name it. And it's, and it's one of the basic principles in chi running. It's called the principle of gradual progress. And so nothing happens overnight and nothing goes from small. Everything builds from small to large, slow to fast. You know, you have to do a progression and that's how I get people to do it. So if somebody's coming back from an injury, for instance, uh, start slow, start with a shorter stride, start with less time on your feet. Um, start with, uh, mostly walking and throwing in a little bit of running and then go back to walking. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can gradually build yourself into changing this running form that you would think would be ingrained. And I've taught people as old as 85 years old and talk about teaching old dogs, new tricks, <laughs> you know, but I've also had people that old say, this is remarkable. I haven't felt this way in years, you know? So there's, um, most of it, most of what I teach people is how to do less. So that's easier to learn than trying to do more. Definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's used to learning more. I mean, you know, yeah, I can run harder. I can push harder. I can lift weights. I can do all that stuff. Tell me to do less, man. And I am challenged. <laughs> <laughs> that's you true know? for most any runner, I think. <laughs> yeah. Or teaching them how to relax. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a lifelong, you know, Yeah, sometimes work. it's hard to accept that less is more. Usually, usually you just think the more you do, the better you'll be. And that's not yeah. often the case. So that's, that's just that's not great. the American way. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. So Danny, you've kind of touched on this already, but you've talked about how chi running, a lot of it has to do with getting the mind in tune with the body. So you call this body yeah. sensing. Can you explain what this is to us and how, how, yeah. what are its benefits to runners? Yeah, it's it's not only a benefit to runners, it's a benefit to everybody. I think it should be taught in every grade school, middle school, and high <laughs> school, all the way through. Um, body sensing is really, uh, so you ha it's, this is true mind-body work, okay? So that phrase has been thrown around forever now, mind-body. So mind-body work doesn't mean mind-over-body, and that's how most people take it, mind-over-body, mind you know? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to push through this 10 K, even though I've got a broken leg, I don't care. I'm just going to like, you know, I want to get this done. That's mind over body. Mind with body is really trying to form a very good, uh, communication link between your mind and your body. So your mind obviously is the mental part. It's where your intelligence is, but your body also has an intelligence of its own. And your body is the physical manifestation. That's, that's your instrument. If you didn't have a body, you certainly wouldn't be here talking to me. <laughs> you know? And so you have to have a body if you're going to be on this planet and participate. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's questionable whether you have to have a mind. To <laughs> you know? So if you can form a really good communication link between your mind and your body, almost like they're partners in this deal partners in life. So your mind can think, it can change, it can adapt, it can ask questions, it can sense things. So think of your mind as a sensor and your body as the horse, 
Okay. So your mind's the rider, your body's the horse, but, uh, you can't force a horse to do anything. You have to listen to it. You have to like pay attention to it. So having a good communication link is what I call body sensing. So your mind, let's, let's say for instance, you're running down the road. Let's say for instance, your knee starts to hurt. So body sensing would mean, so your, your mind goes, Oh, my knee's starting to hurt. So it pays attention to your body and your body is going, yeah, right. You know, it's the right knee and it's really starting to get painful. And, the, and so your body's talking to your mind saying, this is uncool. And then your mind listens to it and says, hmm, right knee. What do I know about that? I wonder if I'm just reaching too, if I'm overreaching with my right leg. Let me see if, if I shorten my stride, let's see what happens. So, okay, body, how about we shorten the stride? The body goes, okay, I'll try that. And then the body shortens the stride. And then you listen, the mind listens again for what the body's going to say. And the body goes, wow, you know what? That actually feels better. Yeah, let's, let's do this. And the mind goes, okay, we're cool. <laughs> right? And so that's what I'm talking about, a communication back and forth. And most people don't listen very carefully to their bodies um, the people that do really well at it are elite athletes, mm. but none of us are really trained to listen to our bodies. In fact, if we were, we'd know when to get up from sitting at a desk too long. We'd know when we were full and we could stop eating and not have to eat anymore. We'd know when we needed <laughs> to sleep at night and how long we needed to sleep. If we were body sensing, this world would be a really different planet for a lot of people. You know, so this body sensing thing isn't just about running. It certainly helps while you're running, but it's a skill you can learn through chi running and practicing body sensing that then you can transfer into everything. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Very, and it makes, it makes running more a practice than a sport. So yeah, running is a sport. Yeah. You can win races, train hard, go fast. But when you turn your running into a practice where you're always body sensing, you're trying to feel, how is my body moving right now? Could I move it better? Could I get more efficient? Could I relax a little bit here? Where am I holding tension? Is it slowing me down? You know, there's a lot of things that the mind and body can cooperate with to try to figure out how to do it better, how to do it better. And so then if you take on your running as a practice, then you're always looking at every time you put on those running shoes, you're thinking about, hmm, I wonder what I could improve today. You, you don't just head out the door going, oh, let me get my run in. Definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it sounds like real time communication, whereas usually for most people, hindsight is twenty twenty, but they don't they're not really good at listening to their body no. right there and then. So it just it sounds like. Really just, it's kind of an art form, really, just making sure it you're completely a, in tune with your skill. body. Yes, yeah, definitely a skill and an art form. I mean, most people find out what there's, their body's doing after they download their Garmin. <laughs> you know? I mean, how real time is that? <laughs> you know? So if you're about to get an injury because your knee hurts so bad and you can do something about it right then, make an adjustment right then, Wow. But what a concept, you know, <laughs> instead of waiting till it hurts so bad, you got to go to a doctor and he says, well, you're gonna have to stop running. <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm not waiting until after after the damage is done. So you're gonna need knee surgery or, you know, whatever. Definitely. Danny, do you how do you teach people to do this? It sounds like something that it should be second nature to us, but it's often not. How do you teach people to to body sense? Oh, it's not. 
<laughs> I teach it with my body sense is when I'm teaching classes, I actually, and I have instructors too that teach the classes that I train and, um, they, they teach by feel. And so I'll have people start off with their posture, for instance, and I'll say, okay, so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to feel your feet on the ground. Okay. Just feel your feet supporting your body. So that's like real time feeling your body. So I get them in their body and then I go, okay, now can you find any tension in your body? Some people hold it in their glutes. Some people hold it in their calves. Some people hold it in their shoulders. Where do you hold your tension? So then people start learning, oh, how to watch the, watch their body. And they'll say, okay, now open your eyes. And, uh, and I want you to look down at your feet. And people look down at their feet and I'll go, okay, now, if you're going to run, you want to have both feet pointed in the same direction you're headed. They should be pointed forward. If your feet are not pointed forward, you need to point them forward, you know? And so then I have, so then everybody points their feet forward and I go, okay, now close your eyes again. And I go, now feel how different your legs feel now that your feet are pointed forward. And some people say, wow, it feels like I'm pigeon toed, you know? <laughs> and then they look down, their feet are straight forward, but they feel like they're turned in. And then I say, okay, well, if you want to correct this when you're running, which is highly recommended because that's where a lot of injuries happen is from feet that splay out. Then you need to feel what that feels like when your legs are aligned, even if it feels uncomfortable at first, but know the sensation so that you can identify it and reproduce it. Okay. So if some people don't know what a mid-strike landing feels like, so I get them into striking with their midfeet and I say, okay, now I want you to memorize what this feels like. Take a physical snapshot. And that kind of helps them. And you need to just train your brain to acknowledge and recognize what's happening in your body. You know, it's, it's rote teaching. It's just, you know, have them close their eyes and feel what it feels like. You know, you sit on a, uh, it's, it's like, um, for instance, if you're sitting in a chair, I just have people sit in a chair. Okay, if you sit in a chair long enough, you're going to start slumping. Okay? Mm -hmm. So right now, what I want you to do is just, if you slump right now, feel how you feel. Kind of check out okay. your body, a little scan. Now, lift really tall through the crown of your head. And when your okay. upper body, when your torso straightens up, now feel how you feel. It does feel I, better. <laughs> feels better. You can breathe easier. Your brain becomes a little more alert. Uh, all of a sudden your core is engaged, you know, you're not crunched over trying to figure out how you're going to get a breath into this <laughs> collapsed chest, you know? And so little things like that are, um, pretty immediate and easy to learn. So that's how I teach people is totally in their body. And that's how all the instructors teach everything. It's, it's really physical training. It's really fun. People Definitely. love it. It sounds fun. It sounds it. almost like a form of meditation. It's definitely a form of meditation. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, Danny, you said something interesting, and we've talked about this earlier, but a lot of shoes, they are they advertise as being good for pronators and supinators. And it sounds like you are almost you're telling people to take this into their own hands and fix it, just fix it for themselves instead of using these shoes to to remedy the, the problem. Is that right? That's right. I, I think shoes are just a marketing ploy. Uh, the best shoe. Here's my definition of what's a good shoe. People ask me all the time. What's a good shoe for me? I say, it's the least amount of shoe you can safely run in, 
given how you currently run and how far you currently run. The least amount of shoe you can safely run in. So if now how you run, you need a cushion shoe, then you need a cushion shoe. But if you work on your technique, eventually you won't need a cushion shoe. So then you can drop it down into more of a little bit more minimal shoe. So as your body needs, that's the type of shoe you should buy. You shouldn't buy a shoe hoping that your shoe is going to fix whatever you have. That's opposite. That's, that's incorrect thinking. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, that's, like, that's trying to take the easy like route. Believe, they, they have spent billions and billions of dollars every year getting you to believe that the shoe will make the difference. It absolutely you know. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, you can't take shortcuts with these things, so... You can't. So, no, that's it's a good point. I'm, so I'm a big proponent of working t- your technique to where you need less of a shoe. I like that. Yeah, and I think I think everyone could uh, definitely afford to, to heed your advice on that. So, Danny, you have these workshops, as you were just talking about. Do you provide online consultation? I also see that you have a, a new chi running school coming out pretty soon. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yes, Um I, ha- I do online consultation, as do all of my instructors, and we have them in a lot of the main cities in the United States, and uh, they're pretty easy to find. Our website, in fact, if you go on our website, there's a navigation bar on the left side that says Learn It. You click on that, and you can either find a class or find a local teacher or do uh, virtual coaching with somebody. And so, and then we also have physical classes that are usually half-day or full-day classes. I just got back from one in New York City. I was teaching a uh, full day class in Central Park to 45 people. It was really fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So um, so we have, yeah, uh, in-person classes, one-on-one coaching, uh, virtual coaching. And, um, and then we have this thing called the Chi Running School, which um, is just turned two years this last weekend. And what it is, it's, um, you know, I talked about these focuses. Mm-hmm. What I've come up with is 104 lessons. That's one lesson a week for two years. Wow. Lessons. Yeah. And I did a video of each lesson. And then I did an audio for each of a separate audio to take with you on the run. So people can download the audio and I'm talking in your ear while you're learning this lesson. Oh, that's so a you great watch, idea. Yeah, you watch the video lesson and and then so you get the idea of what I'm talking about, and then you download the audio onto your, you know, your phone or whatever you run with. And then I'm talking you through the workouts. You actually get to practice with me talking to you. And this is a subscription series that is a monthly subscription or annual, but it gets delivered. A lesson gets delivered to your inbox every Saturday. It it couldn't be easier. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Usually when I watch a video on a, maybe a core routine, sometimes I'll go to do it later on and I'll just have completely forgotten. So that's a, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to watch it and then you get to listen the whole time you're doing it. And then, you know, you can, um, collect all the downloads onto your phone and then, um, do a playlist eventually, you know, you play as many, fewer, as many, repeat them, go back and forth. I have them during races. People do that. So they keep carry their collection with them so they can just play whatever they're having, whatever they feel like they need to work on that day. They just get to play that lesson. That's totally cool. So, yeah, and that's available on our website. You can just go to our store and click on it. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing 
It's, it's been really fun to produce. I've had a great time and people we've had great feedback from it. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good deal. That's fantastic. We will, we'll definitely link that below. I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in trying that out. So Danny, we're going to take just a brief break to thank our sponsors. And then we'll be right back with a question from listeners like you. So we'll be right back to, to dive into that. I'd like to talk about the science of sweat for a moment. You already know that when you sweat, you lose electrolytes, which are essential for your body's best performance. But you've also been told that too much salt is bad for you, so it can get confusing to know what to do. The truth is that athletes, healthy eaters, and heavy sweaters all need more sodium, and just about everyone needs more potassium in their diet. And we don't need a bunch of sugar and artificial junk along the way. Element is the hydration solution designed with athletes and everyone who sweats in mind. Element was born when former research biochemist and two-time New York Times bestselling author Rob Wolf needed to elevate his fitness game. His coaches recommended upping his electrolytes to improve his performance, and it worked. After years of mixing his own homemade electrolyte blends and frustration with the lack of healthy options on the market, Element Recharge was born. Element comes in lots of salty flavors that even the saltiest sweaters will love, such as citrus, raspberry, and orange. It even comes unflavored for those who prefer the clean, salty taste. I don't know about you, but when I'm racing, I crave salt, not sugary sweetness. So Element can be the perfect hydration solution to replace your levels fast. For Run to the Top listeners, Element is offering a free Element sample pack. You only pay five bucks for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. To claim this exclusive deal, you must go to drinklmnt.com slash runnersconnect. This deal is not available on their regular website. So go to drinklmnt.com forward slash runnersconnect. This deal is only valid for the month of February. We are loving Element, and we think you will too. Get your free sample pack today. And if you don't love it, share it with a salty friend. They'll refund your five bucks, no questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Once again, head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash runners connect for your salty samples. We are back with Danny Dreyer, and this week we are doing something a little bit different. We are featuring a question submitted from a listener like you. So, Danny, today's question is from Nathan Scharf. Nathan says, I've known several people who have done the chi running technique in order to help prevent injury, but is it good for running fast? Do people see big PRs doing this technique, and are there any elite runners that do chi running? So there's, there's a couple of people that have done really well with chi running. And one of them actually is uh, a woman from Ireland, Katrina McKiernan, who was the world cross country uh, champion for like three years in a row. She won the Amsterdam marathon, the, uh, let's see, she won Amsterdam, London, and Berlin, all three marathons in like a two year period. And 
she trained so hard um, that she was either injured or she won one or the other. She was wow. just, just so always hard. writing that line, yeah. <laughs> always right on that line. She finally retired. She says, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And she ended up coming to one of my chi running workshops, uh, in Ireland. And, uh, she came to the workshop and all of a sudden she started running. And within a month she signed up for our instructor training course. And then she's been teaching ever since. And she says, you know, this is way more satisfying than any of my marathon wins ever was <laughs> because I'm no longer hurt. And she's also still really, really fast. I mean, she's, she's like in her upper thirties or something right now. She just ran, she was down in Southern Ireland for a, for a family event or something. She decided to just jump into a 10 miler, uh, a race. As and you do. <laughs> <laughs> she came in in under an hour. Oh, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> If that tells you anything, this is years <laughs> after she retired from racing, you know, and uh, she, she hadn't raised the first race she'd done in ages. And she came in and like totally cleaned everybody's clock. So, you know, she loves it. But I've had many people, we get what we call love letters. We have a whole file <laughs> called love letters of people who had PR'd. I just got one this week from a guy who did a um, half Ironman. And he PR'd by 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And he's a good Ironman runner. I mean, he's he's really good already. And he said, all of a sudden, he said something clicked, and he completely nailed it. And he said it just felt easy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I had another guy, for instance, I'll do one other quick one. Another guy who was also happened to be a triathlete, and uh, it was in San Francisco. And I coached the Golden Gate Triathlon Club for a day and uh, they were all doing the escape from Alcatraz, <laughs> which I don't know if you know about that, but they drop you off at Alcatraz from a boat and you swim into shore, oh, wow. get on your bike and ride the hills of San Francisco. And then the running finish is just this horrendous run, <laughs> sand stairs and across beaches. And oh, it's crazy. But uh, so I saw him a couple of weeks later and he comes up to me, he goes, wow, I want to thank you because I PR'd. In my uh, escape, I'd done a bunch of them, and this is my fast one by a long shot. And he says, but I was, I was a little bit bummed at the end. And I said, what do you got to be bummed about? <laughs> he just said a PR. And he says, well, my legs felt so good at the end of the run, I could have really cranked the bike. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess you could have worse problems. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I didn't feel anything at the end of my run, and it was a PR. So we get stories like that. I tell you weekly all the time. It's really fun. I love hearing them. That is fantastic. Well, we are definitely going to link your site below. Listeners can check you out if they want to. And Danny, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a fantastic interview. Really enjoyed interviewing you today. Thanks, Sinead. It was really fun. Like Danny said, he founded Chi Running with the aim of making running a more mindful and process-driven exercise rather than a means to an end or a purely fitness-oriented activity. He calls chi running moving meditation, and as you just heard, recreational and elite athletes alike have successfully used it to stay healthy, perform better, and just enjoy running. If you want a second opinion, see below for a link to chi running's archive of love letters, as well as a link to their site where you can check out their upcoming workshops if you're interested. So I think that will just about do it for the day, but I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and took away some useful information to apply to your own training. 
Until next time, thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the Run to the Top podcast from runnersconnect.net. 